0: A local right. news uh, about a hand pump not working or a road not being working or a school not having a teacher is never news. It's if it is in Lucknow, it is a news. So the idea was like why can't it be more rural? Why can't it be the voice of the people in their own language? When I decided and when I told I'm making a film, I even heard people saying it's a topic. Hai <laughs>
1: You are not plus fire <laughs> last few weeks had been the busiest time for us uh, we completed our femina miss india official high performance coaching program where i taught these young beautiful women how to be calm under pressure and what all they can do to be the high performers that they truly are then we got selected with linkedin's creator accelerator program that implied learning with them creating content for linkedin specifically uh, for the project that we submitted making india mentally fit and now here we are starting apt 2.0, which is the next entire year of this phenomenal mental gym that has definitely transformed my life among so many other participants that we have. So between all of this, doing a podcast, two of them now, Absolutely Right and Daily Mental Fitbit, and going about creating content for Instagram has been a lot of creative process. And when I was thinking about it and wondering how do I get my mind to be absolutely in that sync and that creative journey I met today's guest who by the way is working on multiple film projects at a time and making sure that with each project she creates a lasting phenomenal impact. Hi there, welcome to Absolutely Right. I'm your host Aditi Sarana, a behavioral analyst, high performance coach and founder of India's only mental gym called apt. The link is aptmentalgym.com. Our guest on the show today is this beautiful Keralite filmmaker Priya Thuwasari. Priya started her career working with multiple news channels and you know, making films and telling stories. Then she realized her genuine passion lies in showcasing those people who create a lasting social impact. That passion led to creating some phenomenal projects. With movies like Coral Woman, she has been traveling around the country, creating awareness nationally and internationally about the state of the ocean in India. Currently, she's associated with Khabar Lahiriya. And in this conversation, we speak a lot about the phenomenal story of these Dalit women who became journalists to report the local stories in the local language. I'm inspired, you know, all that I was feeling about, Oh my God, so much content to create. Oh my God, what all I'm going to do. All of that disappeared after talking to Priya because her passion to take the message that she believes in to the next level, to the right person, is so infectious that I felt that all that we can do to make India mentally fit, we must find our ways to do it. Hi Priya, welcome to Absolutely Right. Thank you, Adudi. So glad to be here. So before I say anything about your personality or dive deep into any aspect, one question direct you know from the beginning. I see two signatures and both of them are extremely different. Like the second one, which you sent, which is like a, like an autograph, like what happened? Like, I know you're a filmmaker, but
0: like you began with an autograph, like what's happening? No, no, I think just now I went into a bank and my bank person is asking me, signature match ho ra, madam. <laughs> I think it's been a problem or it's been with me ever since. Maybe it's my character or uh, whatever. But I think I was not very really happy with um, the signature I choose. Like I selected the signature when I was a kid. And over the years, I think I changed drastically from what I have been and to this. And slowly I want to change, but it's your signature. It's the old one which you picked. So you have to carry that also. So I think it's in between uh, the two priyas. And just before this conversation itself, um, I I was asking a friend to uh, do a sketch for me. You know, I always, uh, uh, I have this huge love for Preeta Keralo and uh, and i was telling him i need to i needed you to sketch a frida for me and finally i picked uh, one of her famous painting which is two fridas so it's her two personalities one is uh, one is yeah so one is a wounded frida and one is a very strong frida so okay. and now when you said two signatures that was the first image which came to me two fridas which i just spoke like half an hour before mm-hmm. and uh, yeah and looking back it may be because of that i don't know it could be because of that yeah so
1: for our listeners and even for you priya let me tell you what signatures mean now any signature whether it's autograph or any signature is a sign of a public image you know how our behavior shifts from being ourselves to being little formal the very moment someone else walks into our house or we walk into an office you know suddenly like from being Ourselves in the cab, the very moment you step out, like and I, it is like that that moment of micro moment of like getting into a new avatar is very interesting. I observe people very closely when they do that, when they're just like talking to their friends, laughing, and when the teacher walks into a room,
0: everybody just becomes like this signature. Yeah, yeah, I completely relate to relate to that. As a filmmaker, uh, it's like the button, the record button switches on. And then new changes, whoever in front of the camera. As a documentary filmmaker, we always say that, you know, uh, there is nothing called documentary. As soon as you switch on a camera, everything is fiction because you are actually selecting a portion of a reality. And as a filmmaker, you are actually telling the world you should see it. Like I want, like the filmmaker or the camera person wanted the audience to watch. So it's not a reality. It's the way the filmmaker wants audience to see the reality. So, yeah, the idea of reality completely changes just with. So, Saria, are you saying every documentary is in many
1: ways a docudrama?
0: In a way, I would say that, you know, um, we are actually blurring the lines. And if you even look at the first documentary which was made, uh, uh, which was Nanook of the Frank, um, so, it was a fiction, it was, it was actually, it was it is believed as the first documentary which was shot in the North Pole, but even that okay. the real Nanook was not a real Nanook, it was an actor, you know. Okay. So, <laughs> the first documentary itself was a fiction, but it was okay. placed in the real situations. And again, um, uh, like I said, you know, once you keep the camera, you're actually selecting uh, a particular frame. You are actually avoiding things from the frame. You can actually show what you want to show. And so the idea of reality is definitely being manipulated by filmmaker and cinematographer. I want so, to
1: derive from this, you know, like it is so applicable even for personalities. Like there is no real personality. Everything that we do, the very moment someone else comes into a play, we are acting. And there's a scene in Dil Dhadakne Do where uh, Anil Kapoor looks at Shefali uh, Shah and he tells her something in very romantic manner, it's their anniversary. And she turns and she's really upset with him, triggered by some other event in the day. And she says, uh, room mein nahi hai. Acting kar rahe ho? And then he feels offended. All of that happens. But that whole idea, like to your spouse also, to every single person, you're acting to be the person that you would like them to perceive you as in whichever ways. But we are not being real. So that docudrama is actually also applicable to real personality and public image because in many ways, we are living a public life the very moment someone else walks in. True. Just to give you a background, my father was an art director with Films Division of India. So we grew up watching lots of documentaries and, you know, the, the part of the movies where people used to get bored. Uh, you know, the, before the cinema, people are like, what is this? When will the real movie start? We used to wait for that part because our dad's name used to pop on, on the screen at times. They say, oh, dad's film is coming and then the real movie will start. But you were equally excited about the documentaries this childhood. So what is your uh, your journey with documentary?
0: Like, why not commercial cinema? Why documentary? Oh, uh, I think I it just happened. I come from a very traditional South Indian um, a family where there was nothing, even art was very far, far away. So I was not even trained for a dance or a music. Uh, Family thought that, you know, education means you have to become a doctor or an engineer. But somewhere uh, in that journey, I discovered mass communication. And I was living in Trivandrum where the famous Kerala Film Festivals used to happen. Uh, And I used to bunk classes and attend film festivals. (laughs) mesmerized by world cinema and I was like 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 you said I also started I watched a lot of documentaries made by films division and I thought they are very boring and I slept through them excellently <laughs> but world cinema just opened up a different world and I wanted to be a filmmaker or a storyteller at that point of time then I came to Jamia to do my master's in mass communication it's, where, uh, it's there where I discovered uh, beautiful documentaries, which really touched me. And by the end of my master's, I was very clear that I want to do a documentary um, as my even my final project. Uh, wow. Somehow, I was very much carried away by real lives. And um, uh, I just wanted to experience that. I always say that for me, filmmaking is actually I want to live that life, experience that. And once you experience this, it's like you want to share it with the world. So I will say that if I have experienced 100, I will be, still now I feel that I was only able to transform 40 or 60 percentage of what I experience into my films. So my journey is like, how can I reach near my 100? But it's my thirst to uh, discover people, their lives. And without a difference of class, caste, gender, yeah, gender. I would say, yeah, I am a bit biased, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the urge is definitely to live and experience real lives and pure real stories. Wow, I I second that. I, th- I think the podcast we do is only so that
1: I could share with people how amazing people are when you discover them at a deep level through handwriting and when you have real raw conversations so i i hear you this is like like actually the the slice of what you love the most sharing with the world and letting them see what it is for for you yeah, and yeah. never so, die
0: out
1: of that never <laughs> So we were, for our listeners, we were just having this conversation that we don't find Monday boring because we look forward to every Monday. We just like wait for the Monday to happen so that other other people will join the party that is happening in our minds already. The first thing that comes to my mind when I look at your signature is you write only your name. Some parts of that uh, lettering and the way you choose the style are illegible and interestingly, the signature ends with an extension of a stroke right so the a has become a horizontal line and for anybody whose signature ends with a with a long elongated line like that it means it is extremely difficult for you to let go of certain memories in your mind you keep lingering and reliving certain memories as if in your case i can use this analogy the scene from a movie is being played with all the details and light and the volume as if you're reliving that that plot but you keep doing that and if it is a positive memory it's a happy memory then you can tap into that emotion over and over again Uh, but mostly it is not the case as we all know about memories so you keep remembering things that are disturbing or you know where you felt brokenhearted and you try to analyze and overanalyze it until cows come home, the only problem is they don't come home easily
0: uh, I agree, I completely agree uh, i for example, right now I'm living in Delhi, and my heart is was, was or is never in Delhi. I always wanted to go back because mm-hmm. uh, i I was brought up in a very rural uh, setup. I had a beautiful childhood which even my younger sister couldn't experience. Uh, Something which is uh, out of, like, if if now, if I narrate it to someone, it seems like a fantasy, you know, where Mm -hmm. you have to walk, like, 15 minutes to reach your bus stop. Uh, But on that that way, you have the small lanes where there is water flowing into the river. And you find turtles on the way. And as a little kid, uh, wearing your uniform, you have to take your socks and shoes and pack it separately. But I will be very busy in uh, picking these turtles and fishes. And I can't take them to schools. Uh, so I just leave them in small patte um, like in green leaves. I just used to keep them imagining I can come, when I come back, I can take them home. And I'm so stupid. The turtles just escape, right? <laughs> keep doing that. And uh, yeah, that's like a very strong memory from a very small age. And I'm always like, when can I leave Delhi? Each time I packed, my winter clothes i'm like this is the last month this is the last <laughs>
1: last month. winter here yeah, yeah. Go, go,
0: go back. <laughs> and so yeah i think memory stays very strongly and people everything stays strongly with me very nice
1: <laughs> so on our show if if you like something you say absolutely right because that's the name of the show <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely right atiti <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: So, uh, you know, though you speak so well and you connect with people every now and then, or I would say whenever the need arises, at heart, you are an introvert. Your handwriting moves to the left. And that's a clear sign that if given a choice, you would speak to people only and only when it is needed. And your recharge mechanism is not only about communication. Introversion is a lot to do with your recharge. Charge mechanism, which means you if you do art, if you read, if you sit by yourself, if you are looking at those turtles all the time, in all these cases, you feel recharged. But if you have to constantly engage with people, especially what would happen uh, in an office or in the house filled with multiple people, you just feel drained at the end of it for no
0: practical and obvious reason. I would challenge that a bit. Please do. Yeah, uh, because uh, uh, for example, when COVID happened, um, I was feeling very frustrated because um, I'm always a person in the field, meeting people uh, and traveling. And all of a sudden, without people, it was very difficult. Uh, but it might be right, like I, too much of things also make me feel that I want my own space. I want to just come back to my den. Uh, yeah, so I always use this metaphor that uh, you won't find me at home. You will find me up in the sky flying. And when I'm tired, I will be you know, uh, home. Otherwise, you will be finding me up in the sky. Mm. So
1: why am I bringing this? Because anytime you have to share your physical living space with someone, that becomes tiring.
0: Yeah, that so could be, yeah. But so yeah. you're like with
1: other people working, like you know this is communication for work and I need to talk and I need to get this done and all of that is fine. But if there are people lingering and if your recharge mechanism, your recharge time is not alone,
0: is where actually the the problem happens. Yeah. It's like my two signatures and my two fritas. <laughs> so yeah, in my personal space, yeah, I don't I like yeah, I like to have less people, but in my professional uh, film world yeah, i want
1: to be amidst yeah also your signature if i look at it it is in in size of the writing it is at least seven times bigger than your normal handwriting right that talks about a large public image and persona. and that's why i called it an autograph because when you have a large signature like that the the public idea of you is like oh she has to talk she speaks so much she's always in you know public light or limelight all of that happens but That doesn't change the real person that you are who would like to not necessarily have meaningless conversations, but because of the the difference and disparity between these two images, I can say one thing for sure. And if it is also for our listeners, if you have your handwriting and signature really, really different from one another, that means you can fall into the gap between the two knowingly or unknowingly so though the switch happens very organically with over the years with practice all of that but then there is a gap like which means there are two extremes on which you function and only you are aware of the gap so in that gap people don't recognize you and when you're emotionally in a turmoil or you're feeling low people don't know how to to understand or get to you because they are used to seeing only side a or side b they don't know there is so much that happens between the two extremes
0: yeah I think I, I should sit upon sit on that might be yeah uh, because you get so scattered between the other two uh, but yeah I'll it's, it's like looking inside it, right yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: In today's segment, Stroke of Graphology, let's talk about the signature element a bit more. It's fascinating for me, you know, the whole idea that I was discussing with Priya about how signatures represent who you would like to project yourself to be. It is not who you are. It is who you would like to be in other people's minds. It's interesting because if you're brought up in a society where being harsh is your survival mechanism, then you don't think it would be odd. Even if you're a gentle person, you'll learn the exterior of being this tough, harsh person so that other people will feel intimidated enough. You know, I was watching this movie, Jhund, Nagraj Manjule's movie with Amitabh Bachchan and in that movie, all the kids who are brought up in the slum area have this exterior of constantly defending themselves until Amitabh Bachchan being their coach, their teacher, brings down that facade and allows these young little kids to be who they are. And that's the point. That's the point because most of the time, the facade is built... To protect ourselves, to project ourselves in a certain manner so that other people would not take us on a ride. They shouldn't consider us as weak or lost or inefficient and all of that. So whatever we have understood about our external reality, our family members, our society is where the whole signature is built. Now, we don't understand signatures and we don't generally, you know, people normally on a non-graphological context, I'm saying this, uh, they don't understand what stroke will represent which behavioral trait. But this is where the subconscious correlation of handwriting and behavior comes there. I have seen thousands of signature samples by now, I've lost the count, but every single signature gives you the information that the person otherwise will not even be aware of. So, that whole facade is a good thing for you to look at. So, without knowing much of graphology, if you want to simply look at your own handwriting on your own signature, just spot the differences. Look at if your handwriting formation is different when you sign in a certain manner, or do you write the signature bigger or smaller, or do you make it more pointed and aggressive, or do you make it more rounded and more floral. Do you keep your signature tilting to the right or left which is different from your original handwriting any difference between your signature and your handwriting will reveal the difference between your personal and public image and this is where priya's comment about frida stayed with me in her painting the two fridas which was actually painted in 1939 after her divorce she was madly in love with her ex-husband and you know had a very very complicated relationship with him and in the process she felt so heartbroken that that one part of her painting was depicting Frida in her traditional outfit with her heart completely ripped out of her chest and the other one she was sitting next to herself as this independent modernly dressed Frida who has her new identity and now she's looking at the world from a different angle. Now, this depiction is how exactly we behave without knowing and sometimes I feel artists, poets bring that exact explanation out in that one line, in that one stroke, in that one painting and this is where a lot of healing happens, a lot of confrontation happens. Things that we are otherwise trying to push under the carpet suddenly come and become completely evident. And I feel graphology is an art like that, that allows you to know who you are, why you think the way you do. That gives you a space to discover your true passion, your true personality. Don't get me started on this. I cannot stop. I can't tell you how passionate I am about discovering people and seeing what exactly one can do to transform them into the, the blooming trees that they can become so if you are fascinated by the subject of graphology as much as i am then do check out our graphology master class i'm i'm coming up with a new batch after a long time i think after four or five months and we're going to discuss how graphology can create that impact for you to discover yourself and people around you fascinating phenomenal really really intriguing for most people who attend it and also for me always So let's get back to our conversation with Priya and talk about what can we learn and some coaching principles. Now, another thing that I'm curious also, because I know about you, uh, Priya, coming from a conventional family, it would have been only easy for you to follow the conventional rules, but not only breaking the rules, but also you took the journey where you, you started doing projects which are completely reforming the way the society looks at certain things, right? Like from your documentary, which is about the ocean and obviously about like, you know, the. And it's not only you, you, made a film, you took it upon yourself to create awareness around that topic or your work with the the Chambal ladies, it's, it's phenomenal. Like, so, so tell us about like where the documentary
0: filmmaker turned into a socialist or, a, or an activist more than anything else. <laughs> Um, It's all very personal. I think personal is political. My first independent documentary is called My Sacred Glass Ball. Uh, It's a film on virginity. Uh, again, yeah. So I named it my secret glass ball because um, coming from again like a very traditional setup, um, uh, that was the w- metaphor which my mother always used for the word virginity. She never told me or we never spoke about virginity, etc. But uh, she always said, uh, you know, Priya, every good girl from a good family, you know, keep this very fragile glass ball with them, and it's you know you have to protect it till you get married. And uh, any crack on it will just break that glass ball. And I remember growing up, I thought if I kiss somebody, I'll get pregnant. And um, uh, but definitely, um, you read books, you meet people, your ideas change. Um, uh, the words really, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and the idea of the film was also to question uh, these ideas which are carried on from one generation to another. So the first film it itself was questioning what, how I was brought up um, and it actually triggered by something. That is generally what happens. For example, this particular film was, I read about a virginity test being done in Madhya Pradesh by the, goorn, by the government itself. What so to part, yeah, to, to participate in a mass marriage, the compulsory thing was uh, the women need to do the virginity test. And I was really sh- shaken by it. I'm like, why a virginity yeah. test? You know? uh, and why and then, only for women? Uh, only for women. The men doesn't even have to do an AIDS test. or yeah. you know, It would have been a health test uh, instead of a virginity test. Yeah. Uh, so that really uh, stayed with me and I started speaking about it. Then everybody was like, why this topic? Why are you talking about this? So there is a conversation about it, but in a hush-hush manner. But right. when I decided and when I told I'm making a film, I even heard people saying, Mm topic And I also remember once I was speaking this with my uncle who's a doctor because I was talking about hymenoplasty and surgeries and all this. And I was unmarried at that point of time. And I still remember it was we were having dinner. And when we finished the conversation, my aunt looked at me and said, How do you know all about all this? And I still remember the gaze of my cousin who was elder to me and she was also curious, how do you know about all this? Yeah. And but I think the answer was always like when I sit with my audience and see the film and they don't know I'm the filmmaker, and I hear them saying, you know, Achawa is you know, baat karna tha. so it it's sometimes it's not just about watching a film, it's also about the conversations that follows up. So uh, I always try Uh, that my films at least carry something beyond just, you know, that 30 minutes an hour, a conversation, something to chew. And, you know, uh, we can have conversation post that. So, So, yeah. So uh, from
1: like having a job that is, you know, more secure than, than being a filmmaker on your own or like working with a nonprofit is not as easy. And I, you know, I come, my father was a South Indian. So I come from a South Indian, a uh, bringing and I know how important it is to have security and the job or the income or the salary sorted out in in everybody's mind
0: that's like an important thing so did you have such stereotypes or you didn't even from my childhood I've been always told that you should have a monthly salary you need to be have a a secured job a secured husband all that bringing up is there uh but uh then but at the same time for example the, the profession or my passion is documentaries which is not like a money making or uh, it's not a stable income job or anything so definitely i started off uh, with a prominent uh, news channel and worked there for almost a decade but i kept my passion alive you know i made documentaries along with whatever i was doing so I think it was a little bit of hard work at that point of time, uh, because it, you were planning every holiday to innovate yeah. and shoot and edit and make wow. this happen. Uh, but then then you reach a stage that you get that confidence. Okay, uh, now wings. you have the wings, now you can fly. And then it was that plunge. Uh, then then definitely it was like, it, there was uncertainty, there was fear. But uh, I think once that I took that takeoff, I was more confident. And even right now, uh, Khabar area started off as a non-profit organization. But now we are a private limited. Uh, We are also a bunch of uh, feminist women who are also thinking, why should uh, working with women, working with marginalized communities be a non-profit job? It be a profit making storytelling. It's a profit making uh, uh, company. So now Chambal is a private limited. Um, we have like a wing called khabal Area, which is a YouTube channel, completely run by uh, marginalized women. And we are also we have started a new vertical called Chambal Academy, where we are empowering young girls and women from rural India with digital empowerment. So, oh, bumps as yeah. you speak. Oh my God we really want to change who tells the stories it has always been the history uh, the books cinema everything was made by men even about films about women being made by men thinking this is what a woman thinks. Khabarlaria's journey started two decades back when uh, an ngo a feminist network decided to empower women and they the idea of empowerment was not like putting a woman in a school or teaching her till you know till she turns 18 Okay. Uh, their idea was like why can't they be maybe a hand pump mechanic or why can't they be journalist okay. and through that process will there be an empowerment so they were uh, they, there was the training program where women were taught how to produce news and it was a handwritten newspaper where women sketched images and written uh, wrote the news in their local Bundeli language okay. so uh, news is always urban. Uh, it's always Hindi or English where the city, urban people speak, but it's never local. And a local right. news uh, about a hand pump not working or a road not being working or a school not having a teacher is never news. It's If it is in Lucknow, it is a news. Uh, right. Why car... So the idea was like, why can't it be more rural? Why can't it be the voice of the people in their own language? Right. So it started as an experiment and people were really fascinated by the newspaper in their local language, where they started reading news about their villages and local areas. Wow. And uh, then at one point, definitely the money was stopped and it had to stop and the people started demanding for it. And then it again took up, and it became a printed newspaper. And in 2015, uh, definitely the rural India was also going through a digital transformation and internet was more popular. Uh, So the ladies decided to switch to YouTube, a YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, So now we are in a 10 million viewership uh, range. We have almost like 20 to 30 reporters scattered across Madhya Pradesh and Uttar Pradesh. Or most of them are like maybe we have the education is not the factor to be a journalist in khabal area uh, we have like maybe an eighth standard pass out to a, a phd person or a masters uh secured woman in as a journalist in our team uh it's about diversity it's about a bunch of women from different classes cast coming together and producing news and the uh, And definitely, the gaze is feminist. It's a bottom up, it's not Mm -hmm. a top down Mm model. So, and in 2015, we registered it as a private limited. So, it's Chambal Media Private Limited. And we are now making documentaries, animation films, podcasts, doing events, training people nationally, internationally. And we really want to change who is telling a story let it be news or let it be cinema. Uh, we have seen a lot of films made about Uttar pradesh m p we We saw a lot of films which speak about uh child marriage, everything, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of facts being um, there is a lot of stereotyping there is a lot of facts which went goes wrong it's all all because of who is telling the story if you're right. not lived in experience of child marriage, how can you even tell that story? what is to be most of so the yeah you always have the outsider's perspective, yeah yeah. Like for example, uh, my, uh, last week our CEO, Kavita, she was telling, we are making a film on the Bricklins in Kanpur. So okay. what what is it to be a woman in a Bricklin? And it's okay. a full journey of an entire year. And when she was speaking somewhere, she said she worked in a Bricklin and she's the current CEO of the company. So, so you uh, worked making bricks and bricks. like the whole thing. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. And uh, she got married uh, as a 13-year-old. Uh, stopped her education. Then she got she got fascinated about what Nirantar, the feminist organization, was doing. She was. I still remember her story where she said she was going to a hand pump to carry bring water, mm-hmm. and just got carried away by the sight of women sitting together and talking. You know, I and I think that is what our team is about: sisterhood, being each other. Uh, like without a division of class, caste, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful space this, to
1: be. This is so so amazing. I said this yesterday when we were having a preliminary conversation. I'm repeating this, Priya. If I can do anything to to work with these phenomenally strong women for them to be mentally fitter than they that they are, or like you know, uh, talk about certain aspects of mental fitness that can help them be stronger and and do this work which is so inspiring thank you for being part of it every time i see someone who would leave the typical corporate comfort and choose a life that means creating all that impact but also uh, a kind of personal struggle that is that is generally not spoken about i feel we are so grateful to have people who are there and who are doing this work
0: it's all about um, what is happiness for you, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, it's a little different, I would say. Like, for example, once we went to a village mm-hmm. um, and uh, the entire village was waiting for our reporters. And they came in bikes to pick us up because there was no roads, no proper roads. Mm-hmm. And the story of that village was, since there is no roads and during monsoon, it will be completely flooded. Uh, uh, the fathers take the boys on their shoulders and cross the water so that they can go to the school. And the girls can't be taken like that. So the girls don't go to the school in that village. So they were waiting for a bunch of journalists to come and report it. And it, nobody ever came to the village to report such a case. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they were so excited to know that, you know, Kavalleria uh, women are coming to report they were seeing a reporters or a for the first time a journalist for the first time right that is a reality in in our country which we don't understand sitting in bombay and delhi and when you see that happiness of you know us making a small change uh, you know uh, like for example the story i told you yesterday that uh, a girl who was so excited because she got a chance to ask a question because she was practicing how to do an interview Mm-hmm. And she was asking a question to an elder person. Mm-hmm. Came excited, jumping, and said that I have never in my life mein bar kisi, um, bade si okay. Because she, all her life, she had been told that you can't ask questions to elders. And mm-hmm. she had to look down. Her gaze was down. And just by that my exercise God. and this uh, you know, skill of storytelling, she got this power. And of interviewing voice. somebody. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, so the idea oh of happiness my God. is different. Uh, I don't know it, if it if the audience hearing yeah. are connecting to this kind of happiness. So
1: Priya, one, you know, question that I had from the time I heard about Khabar Lehria for the first time, like women, when they come from such backgrounds, uh, you know, if they're covering such stories, which also involves them to travel, like leave their kids behind or leave their, you know, Uh, like mother-in-laws might be disappointed with like women going out, where are you going, why are you doing this? Like so many times urban women struggle with these disapproving gauges that they get from the family when when the job requirements are kind of inconvenient and uncomfortable for other members of the family. What happens at that level? Khabar Lahiriya
0: journalists, how do they manage it? Uh, for all of them, it was a long journey, struggle, I, I would say. like uh, First, it was stepping out of the house. Uh, who yeah. is she talking to? Uh, why is she getting so many phone calls? Uh, she's interviewing right. men. Uh, so stepping out of house is the first challenge. Then stepping out of the society is the second challenge. Then comes the police officers. I remember one reporter told me, first time she interviewed a police officer, her hand was shivering. You know, i from that stage to like a stage where I remember there was one incident where we were going to uh, do a story on sand mining. So there was this one woman, uh, her farmland was taken away by the sand miners to, to uh, for the lorry transportation. Right. So that it's her farmland. And now it's completely like taken away by this mafia. Right. And nobody was covering and the other media people who used to come, they don't meet the woman, they directly go to the mafia people, get money and go back. So we were discussing this in the car and the car driver suddenly stopped because he came to know we are going to cover this and he said, Aage jayenge gadi. So we said, why, like the other vehicles, uh-huh. are. There. he said, my vehicle won't go. Jaiye. Uh, so we understood, the reporter understood because he so frightened that he's right. not leaving. But this woman said, okay, I'm, li- I'm going. So I said, I'm going to come with you. And we walked two kilometers. Then after some time, we got a tuk-tuk and we got, got into that. She went, she covered the story and came back. So even then, she gets a like lot of threats also. It's not a yeah. new job for yeah. a rural woman traveling all alone and documenting such a story. And then it becomes a network. You you create a support system. We also teach them how to be secured, not just on an online space, but also in an offline space Mm -hmm. because you meet your trollers and threatening people on directly. So we train them, we create that secure system. And over the years now, we have a system in place which gives some kind of safety and security. It's not 100%. Like any journalist in this world is not safe. So that definitely is there with our reporters as well. But it's, and I think it's also because they have gone through a lot of challenges at very personal level. Then mm-hmm. now um, <laughs> there was one comment by an audience: aap nahin, aap <laughs> you are not a you are know, fire." Yeah, yeah. Right? So I think our, our, our women are really—they came from the fear, uh, fire, so they don't fear. <laughs> yeah. Has has it happened that they were attacked or physically? They were, there were threats, there were cases filed, there were even direct abuses that will be rape threats, all kinds of threats used to happen. Right. And uh, we don't take it, uh, remain silent, we also take action against such things. So, yes, we have a good uh, network of NGOs and organizations who really respect and two decades of doing ra- grassroots journalism over the years, not just locally, but nationally and internationally, we have created that.
1: Impact um, and
0: voice yeah,
1: yeah. yeah i can only imagine khabar le uh, reporters walking with so much of pride and and confidence in them just because they belong to an institution and they know that they're creating impact That's phenomenal priya priya over to you what questions do you have for me <laughs> i'm so curious we have not even spoken about your your documentary which is a, which is on ocean which was with one of our other podcast guest anupama manloy who was the impact producer on that so we will talk about it. But what questions do you have for me?
0: No, I have, I need to ask you that, you know, uh, for example, an advice, uh, because sometimes it's uh, uh, from a documentary filmmaker right now with khabal area, Chambal, I deal with a lot of, you know, management kind of a work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means making decisions for 30, 40 people. Mm-hmm. And you go with your heart and you're like, okay, this is what it needs to happen. And at personal level, it's okay, you make mistake, you know, you get chances and it's your personal life. But um, uh, like deciding for 30, 40 people, and there's always that stress that Absolutely. am I doing it right? Um, um, what, what, because your decision impact uh, many lives at very deep level. you know. Uh, many people, for many people, this is like their bread and butter, you know. It's not like a second option is there. Right. In such a case, it leaves a lot of stress, you know, from your experience as an advisor, like is there something which you could? So as you said, no journalist in the world is
1: completely safe. I would say no decision that you ever make is completely correct. But all we can do is we can support a decision with a mechanism that would help us make more amicable decisions that are closer to being correct. Uh, closer to creating higher impact than damaging things, so that's all we can do. but the game of making better decisions is all about making more decisions and you know like building your process your own either gut feel your thinking process your data collection system to know what works and what does not work so even if you are the decision maker and it happens to many leaders that they believe they are the whole and sole decision makers here and one of, one of the things I've learned from the clients I've worked with or people I have spoken with, like the leaders and high performers, they always say that the decision uh, that is facing as a challenge to the team, the answer to that problem is always with the team. So people who will get impacted for your by your decision can become part of that decision-making initially until you find the, the rhythm with it. When you see how they look at that problem, for example, you have to create a policy. If you do not involve these people in discussion stage, not decision stage, and, and do not understand what are their ideas of success, a good policy, whatever that is, you might just go ahead and think it from your perspective, which might be limited. But after doing it five or seven times, you will know this is the language my team or these people require. But what I always feel as a leader, having the mechanism to get enough data and then sitting down and seeing what I feel about it are two very important things. So passionate people, and I'm also saying it because I'm looking at your handwriting, passionate people generally have so many emotions playing that they want to act out of their emotional connect, attachment, love, belief system, and that puts data collection on a a back burner. Thereby, you got to actively bring in data uh, but that could be number, that could be you know, uh, analysis over last three years. Okay, we took these initiatives. What exactly happened in terms of numbers? Has it really helped? So you will have to put reminders on a, on a specific level, I would say, to get that data in your decision making. Because you tend to go by the gut. You tend to go by what you feel instinctively. And you feel very strongly, your emotions, you're you're a very actively involved person. So you feel very strongly. I always feel any decision made out of any positive or negative emotion is blinding because those emotions work like filters. So you can't even see the truth for what it is because either you are driven by one idea or you're opposing the other idea. So in both cases, you're not seeing the truth. Great decision is made when you are seeing things for what they are. And that might mean revealing certain wrapping papers, uh, you know, removing the blinders that you have to ask those questions that you assume would be obviously the right intent of people. But that doesn't happen. You always ask the, the questions to get the truth, to get the real, real picture.
0: Yeah. And the problem I always face as a leader is um, you are into so many things. Uh, you uh, Like, I feel really jealous of people who can invest their time, energy, focus on one thing, go in-depth into it. I don't um, know these people. <laughs> in filmmaking, well, there are a lot. You can invest, like, three years into one for right. one. And I, I'm like, and the film comes out really amazing, definitely. Uh, their effort is, definitely will have a result. But uh, my current role is, like, I have to manage 10 projects at a time. Along with it, then I have my passion projects like Coral Woman and the impact work and other things which I do. So there is definitely still a professional world and personal passion and then your personal life, a lot of things. Um, So I feel I lack going in depth in professional world, but still it's like you you hire people so that they can go in depth and you supervise them. Uh, But sometimes I really feel that is that the right way instead of just scattering your energy to many places why can't i just focus in one thing and make it like a very good in-depth one
1: i just wanted to know your thoughts no it's that. a great question many people uh struggle with it and they're like so literally yesterday i made some uh stories on instagram talking about the same thing so i'm i have come to realize over the years i'm very passionate about multiple things so it could be cooking it It could be line art, obviously the work that we do now, the content. I'm very, very passionate and and really wanting to learn. Like filmmaking is one of the interests I've always had that being in the same field. Uh, Writing, poetry, all of that, all of that. Okay, So even if these are like variety of interests, as you talk about the projects, we can't be equal at one given point in time. But the mechanism here is when you are working on something, can you be intensely involved in that thing even if that means working on that project for 30 minutes sometimes the mind is preoccupied and that happens to you a lot because you are very imaginative and you get super excited about things so the mind is like always coming up with ideas but when you are doing one thing so the it's not about the length of the time it's about the depth at which you can have the conversation. Like I remember, I started working as a as a graphologist in Cafe Coffee Day in 2004. It's a coffee chain, and back in the day, they had multiple cafes. I used to sit in the noisiest place because they used to play music, and they used to make coffee in the background. It was a young hangout place, so youngsters used to come and talk very loudly. And I have had I used to analyze people, give feedback in a way, counsel, coach in my capacity. I was, a, I was like 20 that time. 1918 so you know like whatever i could but i still remember when i think about those moments i would be so intensely involved that the person and i will not get distracted we will not get distracted or disturbed by any noise and we would remember like i would not even loudly speak it was just like tuned into it after that it shifted my idea of concentration completely when people say i got distracted because somebody was talking too loudly I'm because I lived that for, for years, right? Like when you speak to people in the noisiest place, but they are just fully with you. That is the intense involvement that you can bring in. So if as people, and that's also applicable when we are, in, when we are just focused on the person we love or the child for a mother, or like, you know, that one thing we are interested in, no matter what happens around us, we just switch off and we just tune into that one thing. This is a mental capacity. To switch off and switch on or like actually get deeper and you know zoom out or focus on only that one thing if we are that interested and involved the problem happens when people do not know how to completely involve themselves into that one thing even if that means 30 minutes And as a coach, I generally get only 45 minutes with a person. So all in, like if I'm thinking about you for two weeks between two sessions, I can only speak to you in these 45 minutes. So that whole ability to garner those thoughts and keep them so that I can intensely deliver them in 45 minutes became like a habit or like as a training part as a coach. But then now I apply to any project. So if you're like doing art, you my you, mind will go this that that then you create a mechanism to write and capture these thoughts so the hack that I spoke about is creating multiple collection files so I have like idea collection for art idea collection for book that I'm writing idea collection for the new new series we are creating some cards for people to use mental fitness cards so all of these are creatively charged projects so you build idea collectors and you whenever that idea comes you make sure that you put things there. But when you're working you only work on that one thing for that much time and for practical reasons people think but office people other people knocking on the doors all of that if we decide to do it we'll always find time it's not in the environment but it's in our decision to monotask monotasking is your brain's capacity to completely deliver phenomenal results that you cannot by hours of multitasking in the last 2 weeks i have received this question about overthinking at least 7 times it is very interesting to see how most people believe that they are overthinkers because their mind is not in their control they're constantly coming up with different correlations struggling with what they want to do and how they want to go about it and mostly stuck either in the past memory or in the future possibility of fear past memory where something went wrong they fear that that possibility might come true again so if a person felt abandoned in the past in a new relationship they would constantly fear what if i feel abandoned again what if i feel abandoned again what if i feel abandoned again and that leads to our thinking if they have never felt abandoned in their personal space but they see other people being abandoned they imagine the relationship going through turmoil where they fear what if they experience abandonment in their relationship Now, for a person who is in this imaginary space, which is either past or future, you cannot necessarily say stop overthinking. So as a leader, as a coach, please do not use the words like stop overthinking, stop being anxious, calm down. These things never work. Having said that, what you can do to help them is when you realize that they do not have the articulation of what exactly is happening, you hold the space for that person. So instead of rushing them further to bring in clarity, you be there and allow them to go through all the open fires in their minds until they come to one particular sentence, one particular point. And you may say, but Aditi, that takes time and, and you know, like probably I can get the work done. It's not always about getting the work done. It's about giving people the space to make their own choices. This is an essential principle as a coach that if people do not make their own mistakes, they do not learn, they do not grow, they cannot take their journey to the next level. And that is an essential part as a leader, as a coach. You got to keep in mind that you allow them the space to find their own thought and their own clarity. Without judging them, without rushing them, without telling them how wrong they are, how inefficient they are. When you give that space, people realize that though they are struggling, it's okay for them to, to present their thought at the end of it. Second point, a phenomenally effective tool of journaling, handwritten journaling specifically helps overthinkers a lot because their mind is filled with all these fleeting thoughts, right? It's almost like a pressure cooker that is about to burst, uh, which is on a high flame, but without any outlet. So the whole pressure, like a ticking bomb is going on in the overthinker's mind. So giving a little outlet like journaling or like the little whistle that you can put on that pressure cooker would really genuinely help people to find a release. Now if they do it on a regular basis just for 20 minutes on a timer not like spending 5 hours because then people stop doing journaling. Just 20 minutes set a timer and write every single thing that comes to your mind for 20 minutes. This is not even journaling, it's a brain dump pretty much. The technique was first introduced for artists by this uh, amazing woman Julia Cameron who wrote a book called The Artist Way and she said just get all your thoughts on the paper so that your mind knows it can trust the process of writing thoughts to simply find the, the calmness and clarity. And third, overthinkers are generally fighting for their base security. If you can do anything for the person to feel more secured, please go ahead and do that. Sometimes that might mean being just available to listen to them, uh, probably discussing the area where they do feel insecure. If they are your family members and giving a hug or physical comfort can also help caring for them and showing them that you are with them on this journey. If you genuinely mean to, then those things would come handy overthinking gets to you only when the mind is convinced that you won't survive so these people are not running because they are running and taking a stroll they are running for life they have these lions chasing them in their imagination from either past or future fears and they cannot pause so their overthinking is not a habit it's not something that they do because they like to some people believe that Is genuinely their desire to feel more secure so that their brain stops. So when you become empathetic towards your team member, they know that they can trust you and grow. And I think that's the best part of being a coach. You create a space for people to discover what all they can be. Now let's get back to our conversation with Priya and learn some lessons that only Priya can teach us. Anything else you want to add from my handwriting? Oh, a lot actually. (laughs) so um, you are very very clear in your intent so for example i'm saying that because when you write your letter a or o there is no loop formation in those letters in most cases now what does that mean that if somebody questions your intent or if you have to compromise your intent to just adjust in a situation it kills you So you implode in situations like that. You might not explode because, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do. To give you an example, what I mean is if you uh, were working as a journalist and in that setup, they made you do something that does not fit your ethos. Like doing it felt like, like carrying 500 kgs on your shoulder. And people would go like, what's the big deal? Just do it. No, it's such a, like only one bite you have to take or like only one thing you have to do. But in your case, you can't do it making your life very, very difficult in a normal setting because people are like, oh, you make everything so significant, which is which is the best part of the story, which is not a problem, which is actually the strength, but people tend to look at it as inconvenience and I feel in
0: moments to give in to it. Yeah, the true. Uh, yeah, I felt it especially when I was with the news channel where, uh, yeah, because in news, there are certain agenda, there are certain things and certain how it should be done. And you feel like, you know, for example, a senior reporter telling, put my P2C instead of a person's bite. And both of them are saying the same thing. I'm like, hearing it from them, it's more powerful than you just... Sorry, listen. what do you say? Oh, what, oh, what you camera. So when a reporter speaks to camera, huh. and the same content is there in an interview. So right. sometimes... Um, uh, reporters do love to see them on screen more and yeah. they say, put my piece to camera then and remove that interview bite. right I, hearing it from the real person you know who is impacted by it is more powerful than than you reporters. giving your views on it yeah, views yeah. On it. so yeah i fight for such things uh, then uh, then i make my own excuses also oh i couldn't do it because of duration or whatever <laughs> uh, because i finally i go with what my guts uh, really. absolutely. absolutely and why am i saying it because
1: in, in a personal level or when while working with people it might create conflict and in moments like that we tend to doubt ourselves like should i just hold on to it and be so stubborn or should i just give up so anytime you fall into that that mental conflict let me tell you you're not a stubborn person. Gryphologically, there are specific traits to show stubbornness. You're not a stubborn person. You are a firm person who's extremely clear with her ideologies. And people are not used to women or people being so clear and, and you know articulate about their clarity. So they think it is being stubborn. Okay, so no matter who stands in front of you and says that you're being stubborn or you're just not listening because of your personal agenda, just pause and remember that stubbornness is about egocentric point proving, right? So the people want to prove it because it is their idea, not because it's the right thing to do. And this is where stubbornness happens. So you're not stubborn, you're firm and you really believe in what you believe in and you would want to create the impact so that larger picture at times will upset people. But every leader, every high performer has gone through upsetting many people to create an impact that benefited even larger audience. So I think that's a part of the game.
0: Yeah, especially working with in gender and politics space. It, it's very challenging that way because you deal with men and people who are in power and they are so stubborn about what they feel supreme or, you know, how mm-hmm. can she say that? How can she do it? Absolutely. So, Sometimes I don't mind underplaying myself. I know they are stupid. I know that one, they are not making any sense. But I am okay with them Them treating or making me, like, believing themselves that, you know. <laughs> so I just sometimes play it as my card. For example, when I shoot in places where cameras are not allowed, there are men who comes and them being men and seeing a woman with a camera and say that, you can shoot kar and I just said, Oh, I didn't know. They just think that, you know, it's a kuchpadini, or it And I I just and because I, I play my uh, like I think being a woman is sometimes such a blessing because still men think that we are we don't know anything. Naive
1: and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> we have this term, like in Bombay taxi drivers look at women driving. It used to happen a lot, I think 10 years ago. They say, ladies driver, you see. So, we have the term we tell people are sorry, sorry, ladies' driver. Hai. Hum <laughs> so, Priya, from this part where, where your work has been about social reforms uh, with women, now we have another storyline and completely different world under the water. Uh, how did Coral Woman happen?
0: So, uh, generally, like I said, um, With my films, I run behind, I I go behind stories and in search of it. But here it was as if the story or the character picked me to, you know, tell the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Uma, my main protagonist, she is a 50-year-old. When I met her, she was a 50-year-old who decided to learn swimming and diving uh, just to see the coral Uh, reefs. I was working with a news channel at that point of time. And uh, she called my news channel. And I was luckily there on the other end of the phone <laughs> when the reception was connected. Yeah. It had to happen. Yeah, it had to happen. Oh my God, okay. And she just said that, uh, can your channel make a film about coral reefs in India? Mm-hmm. So in a news channel, this is a regular call, right? Yeah, in a radio station or anywhere. People call and say, please cover this. Please do something on this. Right. Video. So I expected it to be one of those calls. And somewhere, but there was something which connected me with her. When she asked for my personal phone number, I gave it to her, and the very evening she called back and said that I Google searched and I uh, saw your films. You are a filmmaker. Why don't you make a film about coral reefs? I'm like, who is this woman calling all the (laughs) way? Uh, Then when she told me about her story, I was like, I don't know anything about coral reefs. I don't know if I would ever make a film underwater. I don't know anything about it. But your story is like good enough for me to say that right now, I want to make a film about you. And what was the story? The fact that she learned how and, to yeah, write. At yeah, at this age and diving and like coming from a very traditional Brahmin family, uh, you know, a woman who wear gajra and put uh, that column in the morning. Right. You know, living in the hills and uh, her making this huge plunge of, you know, <laughs> just to see the coral reefs because... And paint yeah, she was painting corals and somebody asked her, have you ever seen them for real? That question really triggered her to do something like this. So it's wow. not like, you know, uh, uh, climbing a hill or doing any other activities. I is it's like underwater. It's not a day-to-day yeah. thing. Absolutely. So I was very fascinated by <laughs> her story. And that built into a friendship. And uh, yeah, definitely my first love was Uma, my protagonist. And through her, this world of coral reefs really opened in front of me. Till then, for me, it was like uh, white rocks underwater. Nothing more than that. <laughs> yeah. And, and while making the film, I understood it's that for many people. They didn't yeah, know what is the yeah. importance of corals. And making the film was a very different experience. It was very heartbreaking. I didn't expect it to be so horrible. I didn't... Uh, a think that it was impacting me very closely or people around me and what another five years or 10 years down the lane, what will happen to the world? Yeah. Uh, so that really made me feel that I have to do something beyond. Generally, my journey with a firm is I make a firm. I just leave it behind. I go behind the next firm. Right. But with a woman, it really made me feel that I have to do things further. For further
1: awareness for people to understand how big they should
0: be. Exactly. The film also ends with one of my favorite quote, uh, which I shared with you also. It's by a very famous oceanographer called Sylvia Earle. She's Mm -hmm. one of those women who had seen underwater more than anybody in the world. Oh, uh, Yeah. And she had witnessed the change in the oceans across the years. And she says, uh, knowing is the key to caring. And with caring, there's hope that people will be motivated to take positive action." they mm-hmm. might not care even if they know but they can't care if they are unaware so it's people's it's people's choice to make a change or not but if they are unaware they can never yeah. do it. true at least by having that knowledge they can make a choice if they want to do something or not uh, so i felt that you know if the film can be the medium to have that kind of you know conversation uh, share that knowledge then it should be uh, and this, we started Coral Woman Impact, where uh, we uh, we started making the serious effort of taking the film to uh, maximum people. Right. Um, we had like I think in the last two years more than 150 screenings in
1: spite we, of the pandemic, which in was incredible. It was like yeah. you girls were like at it all yeah. three of you. And wherever you could go and speak and create the awareness. Exactly. That, yeah.
0: It was very important for me. It was not just a screening. So anybody who asked for a film screener, we used to send. We mm. never charged them anything. And we just pro- asked them to promise that you will watch it with a group. So that, you know, there mm. is a conversation post that. Mm. And along with the film, we published a book with the help of Avid Learning and Harper Collins, mm. A children's version of the film. Because the film was not made for children. elder audience but definitely we had a lot of young audience young children watching it but we made a book version which was a illustrative beautiful picture which is available on amazon uh, published by harper collins in the same name coral woman so that children can learn about coral reefs and you know inspiring story of Uma. and now we just completed an art residency where artists divers and scientists came together and we created an art installation on which we do coral restoration. So corals can actually grow in two ways. Uh, okay. An organic way where there is eggs and sperm joins and you know spawning happens and corals are formed. And uh, there is another way like an earthworm. A piece can be broken and it can grow into full-fledged coral. Mm-hmm. So we used that method and we created an art installation underwater and we planted corals over it. So... So this is like a merging of art, science, and, you know, the diving community coming together. Because everyone is doing their bit in places. Right. How can we bring them together?
1: I so happened to be in Goa where the art residency was happening. And I saw that art for myself. And I saw how passionate the artists were. It was a treat. And, and I am I was so moved. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and the whole conversation, like the, you know, the whole uh, discussion around what on an individual level we can do what industrial people can do so that whole conversation and being uh, not only aware you know something that i find very powerful with filmmakers like if they feel hurt if they feel impacted by something they don't stop at that they say they talk about it to every single possible person who has experienced the same thing and they want to make sure that everybody's voice is heard at large I think that's the power uh, of the people who make films and the and the medium itself so i think thank you thank you so much for doing this to you also and to anupama also and to Uma for being so passionate about it so priya what are the three things that we can learn only from priya uh, this is my favorite <laughs> question
0: for every every high performer who comes as our guest uh, I will always say count your blessings. Uh, because I remember 10 years back um, down, like back, I wouldn't have said that. I was also a person who always said, Mere paas nahi hai, wo nahi hai. why is it just happening with me? But now through my work, when I meet a lot of people who are going through so many things, I feel that, oh my God, like I have so much. I'm so blessed. Uh, uh, like, only thing I need to do is put a little more effort and just achieve it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah i would definitely say that and i have met a lot of people who have achieved a lot of great things despite the odds which is, which are there in their life mm-hmm. so i always say that you know when tough things happen tough situations happen i'm this thing uh-huh.
1: think about
0: the positive side or you know it's like the waves you know yeah. it's, there's an up and there's a down <laughs> just don't, don't have to think about the nouns uh, then, um, when I left uh, my uh, channel, like the sick word job thing, which I, uh, which I shared with you, to bring that security, uh, that, that turning point, one of my ex-boss, uh, she sent me this poem by Pamela Redmond. Rit- uh, uh, it says, what should a woman have? Okay. I think that is one poem I would recommend all the female <laughs> listeners <laughs> who okay. are watching this. Even even men for that matter
1: to know <laughs> what, what a woman
0: should desire and want. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: what your mother or sister or your wife should have. You know, uh, it's it's a beautiful poem which uh, I all often read and go back, and I uh, often it gives me strength. Wow. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we feel so dependent. Uh, we have been brought up like that you know uh, but it's sometimes very nice to see and we you know, f- understand your strength and wow. uh, yeah just spread that wing sometimes you, you just hide your these days I do yoga and uh, my husband <laughs> was telling me you know all our emotions are pressed in your hip it's that's why it's so tight yeah. you just have to release that's how we have been brought up especially women all our Pain, all our uh, grief, everything is in our hip We just suppress it. That's why we can't open it up. So even in yoga, she was telling me to just release, leave it. So I would definitely recommend uh, that. Then uh, Sylvia okay. Earls, that is for all the artist friends. And I think art definitely need to entertain. Art definitely needed need to make you. Um, you know, freeze a moment, second, everything. But I think uh, if your art can create an impact and we can put a little thought onto it. um, It happened to me recently, like um, now my art can't separate impact. It is so connected. (laughs) And it makes a huge difference. You know, in a dark room, you just leave your audience with a thought. That's why what kind of films you make is very important. You know, you have like, uh, how you write a line for your dialogue, for your character, an actor, mm-hmm. how you celebrate masculinity. You know, sometimes usually there are people who are like, yeah, definitely there are people who are. But when when an actor say a very masculine uh, line right. and you, uh, you applaud for him, you know, you create a, a storyline like that which applauds his masculinity. And it leaves with a generation who thinks that what the actor did is right. And they mm-hmm. just follow it. So you, as an artist, you have a lot of responsibility within yourself uh, to create, to be aware of that uh, responsibility. And as a documentary filmmaker, definitely we deal with real lives, uh, real characters. Uh, We are an artist, we think it is our art and our, you know, authorship. But sometimes we forget that we actually took a slice of real people who are still continuing their life. And whatever we have created is having an impact in their personal life and professional life. So that's also something uh, an artist should definitely think.
1: That's so so interesting that you say that. When I was learning my filmmaking, I wanted to assist. And I was talking to a director uh, friend. And for some reason, he said, why don't you go and assist on a TV series set? I was there literally for 48 hours. I went two days and I couldn't relate to anything that was happening there. But as I was assisting and I was like on the sets, reading the dialogue, seeing these actors act, whatever was happening, I kept telling myself, this is so interesting that the the larger por- portion of this, this uh, television is watched by rural India. And the, the ideas that we're implanting in their minds about what is right, what is not right, is how they're going to not only think, Uh, and speak but they're also going to imbibe their own ideas of who they are and that's such a responsible position and it's handled in such a casual manner i completely hear what you're saying that every piece of art is this kind of your opportunity to either make impact or not but you are making an impact any which ways that people don't realize so powerful thank you thank you so much Priya, thank you so much for being part of the show. I was waiting for this interview for a very long time from the time I was in Goa and I looked at that art. I was so uh, moved by your passion and you know all the work that you do. All the best. Keep doing the work that you do and keep inspiring more and more people and make us aware of all the things that we need to know.
0: Thank you, Aditi. And uh, you also opened up a new world for me of, you know, uh, even your handwriting. That's something the least I was thinking about. Uh, but uh, this this uh, also, I think it was like a mirror uh, into my, myself. So, yeah, I will be chewing on, you know, what the conversation we had today. and Just I, the I, beginning. Now some yeah. thoughts will keep coming coming back to you for years to come so all the best (laughs) thank
1: you i look forward to meet you in person likewise thank you so much for joining us one more time on the absolutely right podcast i cannot tell you this journey has been so meaningful with every conversation with every question that you send us i realize that your interest in knowing these stories in the manner we narrate uh, our entire process of bringing these high performers to light and celebrating them and learning from them is something that you are enjoying so if you have specific questions for me please write to me my email id is write w-r-i-t-e at if you want to know more about graphology, we are starting a batch where I will be teaching graphology. It's a graphology masterclass. You can know more about that on my website, adithisurana.com. And those of you who would like to build your high performance mindset by learning some hacks and tools and also growing with a community of thriving professional, then do check out aptmentalgym.com. It's a phenomenal space for all of us to take our own potential to the next level. I learn so many things every single day while talking to the community because every person is so willing to learn and where do we get people who are interested in growing and you know who talk about principles and ideas and concepts that can actually genuinely make us better people and better professional so thank you so much again for joining me on the absolutely right podcast i'll see you on next wednesday until then happy writing